In New York City, one out of three children under the age of 18 is growing up in a home without a father. That's according to the New York City Young Men's Initiative. And that number climbs to 51% for black children and 46% for Latino children. The Fatherhood Initiative at Rising Ground in the Bronx is working to turn things around. Nearly 300 fathers have successfully completed the program, which encourages struggling fathers to be more involved with their kids. Hi, I'm George Boldarki, and this is Cityscape. Reginald Mitchell heads the Fatherhood Initiative at Rising Ground. Deron Waldron is a father of four and a graduate of the program. They're both with me now in the studio. Reginald, Deron, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, George. Thanks for having us. Good morning. Thank you. So, Reginald, let's start with you. Tell us a bit about the mission of Rising Ground. Well, Rising Ground, our mission is to, uh, to build strong families. Uh, to fill in the gaps where, you know, families may have weaknesses and then um, use their strengths strengths to add value to their livelihood. And specifically tell us about the Fatherhood Initiative. Well, George, the Fatherhood Initiative is a unique program uh, because versus universal parenting programs that deal with mom and dad, ours specifically gears towards the needs of the father and uh, the characteristics of how important the father's role in the family dynamic. Just how important is the father's role? I mean, you, I mean, we could think back to even our own childhoods. Uh, if you know, if dad was around, we looked up to dad like a superhero. So when that, when you have that absentee, mom seems to be overloaded with you know a lot of things, and it seems to create a disconnect over time. Duran, you are the father of four. How do you see your role? Well, right now, powerful, like big, like I'm a role model to my kids right now. My daughter. She's two. She's about to be two. She can't let me go. I can't go nowhere without her. So I'm her biggest role model right now. What are the ages? You have one that's two. I have one that's about to be two. I got a five year, a five month old. I have an eleven year old and a nine year old. Busy man. I'll try not to be man. <laughs> rainy days, rainy days. How prepared would you say you were for fatherhood? Well, at first, I wasn't prepared at all. They asked me, did I want to take the fatherhood program? And I was trying to just keep my kids with me. So I did anything to do to keep my kids. So when I went to the fatherhood program the first time, I was just shaking it off. Like, yeah, 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 I do that, I do that. And then I really went there and I found a family, not just the people who work there, the other fathers that's there. So we all come together, we talk about our problems to each other, we all help each other out. Can you share your backstory? What led you to this program? What were your circumstances? Well, my thought of coming here to this program, how I got here, well, I had an ACS case. I was thought I was doing a, somebody a favor by letting them stay in my house. Well, my girlfriend, she thought she was doing her friend a favor by letting somebody stay in her house. And things didn't work out. Then she called ACS on us, said I was smoking weed and selling weed in front of my kids. So that's how it happened. So you almost lost your kids. Yes, sir. And I fought for every anything they needed me to do, I did for my kids. Reginald, how varied are the challenges that the folks who are coming to you are facing? The challenges vary from, you know, uh, false allegations, um, like uh, in the case of Mr. Waldron. Um, just, you know, fathers not understanding how to father. Uh, fathers coming out of incarceration and trying to do too much right away instead of working on themselves. They try to push to be the best dad, but they really don't know how. Um, and then we have fathers that just want to, you know, have learned healthier parenting practices and raise their awareness because there's so much things going on with the world. The world is changing. Mom could be the breadwinner nowadays. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of variables that come into play 
for the gentleman that walked through our door. But with most things that we do, we try to meet them where they're at. Do you find that fathers who are having difficulty being fathers didn't have fathers around themselves? Across the board. Again, um, you know, if you was raised by a single mom, you're going to tend to do more of those tendencies, be more emotional. And then if you don't have your dad, it doesn't represent how it should be. You don't see that dynamic growing up. So you think, if you know, maybe in their mind, if oh, she'll be all right, or she can handle it. So, of, of course, it's very important to know that these when these guys don't have their dad in place, that it's, a, it's, it's like a vicious cycle that continues. And I that's feel, what we're hoping to break. Right. I feel like it's half and half because my father was there, he, but he was always incarcerated. So I had my mother and my grandmother there. I haven't, I've never been incarcerated. I never did no jail time, no nothing. And I ain't followed the footsteps my father did. I took my own route. I was packing bags, going to, going to the store for elderly ladies. You know what I mean? Taking elderly people to church. You know what I mean? That's the thing that I did. So I learned respect before I learned anything else. You know? Is that something your mom instilled in you? I mean, it's some of my moms, but it's mostly my grandmother and her friends that used to do the tenant patrol. <laughs> so <laughs> so those are the people who made me come in and check and stuff like that. So even if I was outside by myself, I couldn't do nothing because it was all eyes on me. You know what I mean? Everybody know who was my family. <laughs> you know what I mean? So would you say then you were taking very deliberate steps not to following your father's footsteps. Yes. Yeah, I, I, of course. Do you have a relationship with your dad today? Well, my father passed away, mm. but of course I had a, I got a good relationship with my father, you know. I had a relationship, good relationship with my mother, you know what I mean? So it's like I'm in this world by myself right now because I don't have my mother, my father, my grandmother, and all those people I was really close with. So I'm building my own family now that we, we be close with. I have my sister. My sister is younger than me, though. So she always going to be there for me. Well, I'm the older brother, so I got to be there for her. She call it my brother's keeper, and my and I'm my sister protector. Critically important, Reginald, to have a safety net, huh? A network of people to help. It, it, it's super important, and that's what we try to tell dads when they come in. Identify what your support system is, who it may be. It may be Nana. It may be the lady who, you know, giving you that extra couple cans of food during the week from the church. Mm-hmm. You can never put a, a, a mark on who's going to be your support system. So you got to try to embrace it and then try to make it grow. Then eventually, as he mentioned earlier, we try to get dads to help each other. We preach community. Yeah, I was going to ask that question. How much do the fathers in the program help each other? Father to father mentoring. It's it's amazing. These guys hang out. They go to each other's kids' birthday parties, you know, through our program. Um, And I've I've had guys had instances where – they helped each other move into new apartments, right. things like that. Um, you know, just like real family, like a community. Um, letting you know, make, uh, making people aware of new job openings and you know of their right. prospective jobs. That's important to you know to keep everybody on the same page and then go above and beyond by being supportive. See, me, I graduated, but I still go back there because there's new fathers that I like. Every time I go back there, I meet somebody new. And I always help somebody. So I got a, a whole bunch of people on my phone list that I call every day or they'll call me and ask me how I'm doing. And I'll just be like, how y'all doing? Everything's good. Make sure the kids is good. That's the first thing I have to do before anything. Make sure the kids is good. Make sure yourself is good. Make sure your spouse is good. You know what I mean? And then hopefully life will get better. You know, everything takes one step at a time. What would you say are your biggest challenges from day to day being a father of four? Um, making it home every day to my kids. That's that's one of my biggest things. You know what I mean? That's one because, like I said, my daughter, my my youngest, my second youngest daughter, 
all she do is say, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. So my, my wife had to put something in my head the other day. She said, well, you go out in these streets and you get in trouble. How am I going to explain to your daughter every day, Daddy's not going to come home today? Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And she really cries calling me. So, you know, that's one of the things. Reginald, what does it mean to graduate from your program? I mean, ideally it means they completed the, the 20 sessions of the curriculum. Yeah, what's in the curriculum? So uh, you go, we have sessions that range from manhood to boyhood, uh, anger management, communication, dealing with mom, the, the father's role in the family, how was my dad. Um, we just it's, 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 it's a great curriculum that kind of selects some of the issues right. that we may face hands-on. What in today's you, world. What makes you a better father than the father you had growing up? How can you be a different father from the father you had? You know what I mean? Stuff like that. And those are key points because everybody had a, probably had a great father, but always want to be better than them because you want to teach your kids the right way. You know what I mean? Me, I ain't really have stuff growing up. So I want to make sure my kids have everything that's good for them the growing up. How would you say you are a better father today because you went through this program? Well, right now I know how to deal with things. Earlier in life, I didn't really know how to deal with things, so I will walk away from it. And I mean, now I have patience to deal with it, sit down, try to talk, work everything out. It's, it, it helps a lot. For one instance, like with my, my girl. I used to call my girl my baby mother a lot, and the program helped me because <laughs> they kept checking me every day. You're what? You're what? And then I had to end up changing it to my wife or even my son's mother, so I ended up changing it to my wife. So therefore, <laughs> they got me on that one. So now she's my wife back to it again. And I deal with her different now because we could sit down and talk, have a conversation without arguing. You know what I mean? Because before, I used to just leave the house and just let her deal with it. It is what it is. But then I come back, and, we, and there'll still be a little tension, but then we all be, just be silenced to each other. But now we could talk, talk about anything now. You can work through the issues. Yeah, I can work through the issues. I can sit there in the house, even if she's yelling. <laughs> even if she's yelling, I can sit there in the house now and then wait for her, she can start yelling to say, I'm sorry, even though it ain't my fault. <laughs> to, you know what I mean? Do things like that to squash the problem. Reginald, I mean? what's wrong with using a term like baby mama? It's just it's, it's, it's the stigma that comes with it. It's the negative undertone that comes with it. And I mean, your baby mama. Now, it's, it's not a, it's not a, a, a positive affirmation. Now, what, what woman would want to hear that? That's my son's mother, or my daughter's mother, right? Or that's my child's mother. It has to have some importance, with, you know, with that saying. I don't want, you know, I don't want it to be like it's just out there, like it's, it's, it's just vague, like it don't got no meaning. Right. My child's mother is powerful. Like that's the mother of my child. It has some, it holds some importance to it. And it should be that way. Right. So we preach that as well. Even if you're not in a relationship with your child's mother, y'all still should have a rock star co-parenting relationship. Right. So if y'all can't get along, how could y'all co-parent together in a healthy manner? It's impossible. So and the fathers really buy into that. And he's a perfect example of it because right. he used to come and vent to us about the arguing and about the disagreements. Now it's just saying, oh, well, we did this, and we came to you know, a, a good agreement, and both parties were happy. That's what you need because that projects it onto the children. Right. You know, because at the end of the day, the yelling and all that could be, you know, traumatic in some ways. Duran, have you always been in the house with your kids? I, I'm not going to lie. I'm my oldest. It took me a while to stand up to be a man to take care of my child. I didn't get into my son's life till he was two years old. And then from there, I tried to stay in his life until 
till I can't, I'm not here no more. You know what I mean? So once I was there, I grew up. I took care of my son. I tried to do the best I can for my son. But since day one with my other kids, I've always been there. Mm-hmm. You know, because I was already a man at that time. Because I already noticed I had another kid. So I just had to step up and do what I had to do. Do you feel like you missed out on a lot in those two years with your son? In reality, the right answer is yes. But at the age that I was, you know, I was partying, going outside, trying to trying to do, you know what I mean, have fun. That's what I was trying to do. My mother would be like, go get your son. I'll go get him. Ain't nobody watching him. I'll take him back home. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, but then I had to notice the quality of spending time. I had to know what that meant and all that to your son to know who you are. You know what I mean? My son, they start calling me daddy to, like, maybe three and stuff like that. And, like, right now, I think about it, that's embarrassing. Because my daughter started calling me daddy at six months. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But now my son know who I am. My son loves me. He calls me daddy all the time. We do a lot of things together. Reginald, how many children in New York City are likely to be living in a home without a father present? Do we know? I mean, I don't have the accurate numbers, but, I mean, I mean clearly it's over 70%. I mean, because, I mean, you could go by the numbers of single mother homes. Um, I, I looked on um, online not too long ago to see how many head of households was in NYCHA. I couldn't find any that were men. I couldn't find any. And then vice versa. I did women, and it was popping up everywhere. Are so, minority households disproportionately affected? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, because, I mean, who knows what kind of cards you would dealt. But when people trying to put food on the table, at the end of the day, when it becomes by any means, it really means that. So, you know, if they facing incarceration, if they facing, you know, trouble in the streets, if they facing, you know, uh, you know, health from working too many jobs. Right. Like, I don't even want to use all negative. There's some guys who work two, three jobs, but they beating up their body and they seem like they get nowhere fast. So when, the, you know, when a fast opportunity or something comes. They grab at it because it's all with the intentions on putting food on the table. Right. It's just the way it is. But we're trying to change that. We're trying to make fatherhood rock star again. You know I mean, my pop pop, I, he loved being a, a father. I didn't really have my father, but my grandfather, he stepped up. He took us fishing, things like that, baseball games. I loved that feeling. That's why I did that with my children. Right. He loves the feeling of being able to make his children smile. This is why he's fighting to keep going. Right. All they need is a push, George. So you know, they need. You know the thing I can't understand? Well, me personally as a guy, because I feel like this is the thing we're supposed to do. I have my daughter in a carrier and walking around there. Everybody like, oh, that's so cute. Uh, I'm like, thank you. But inside my head, it's like, this is what fathers are supposed to do. I can't knock what nobody is. Because like I said, it took me two years to step up. You know what I mean? So I'm not, I'm not going to bash nobody. I'm not here to bash nobody. Just step up. Reginald, how do you improve the relationship between a father and the mother if they are no longer together? How do you make sure that unit works well together? Well, first, uh, George, great question. Um, we try to have, we, we really have limited contact with mom. The only contact we really will have is, is if, you know, do our co-parenting workshop or if we try to contact mom for, you know, to bring the children along for a event. So what we do is we try to really concentrate on the dads to help them understand the importance of equality in relationships. So once you get that down, you can go from any angle. And you could take any vessel to have a working relationship with mom. Once you understand that it has to be equal. You're not better than her. She's not better than you. You're not her boss. Mm-hmm. If she has a new partner, you have to respect that partner. Right. 
You can't say stuff like, oh, I don't want my son around your new boyfriend. That yeah. sounds weird, especially if this is going to be someone that's going to be in her life for a continuum, like, or for, you know, throughout her life. Right. So we have to make adjustments. We can't make about, but to answer your question, we try to preach that the emphasis should be on the children. You can't make it about you. Once you do that, it's going to go bad. Rachel, let me ask you, if a gentleman were to get involved in the criminal justice system, while you're dealing with all of that, can you still be an attentive dad? I mean, there's so much going on. I mean, how do you navigate something like that without falling through the cracks? Um, it's tough. I mean, you, you, you have to follow the blueprint of staying out of the way. But in most cases, as soon as you walk out the door, the elements are right there, George. Um, so it's tough. You got to have a lot of mental toughness, a lot of wherewithal. And it usually starts with homes that have that dynamic of dad, mom, mom, mom all in place. Those stories usually lead, not always, but more times than likely lead to success. So I grew up in a single parent home with my mom, but education was driven from across the board. So, uh, but what she did is, even though my father was absent, she included his family. So that was important. I learned some values from his mother, his sisters, and brothers, and, and, and witnessed some things and got some work ethics because they were from down south. So I wasn't used to really, you know, hard work being from New York City. So that implemented that in me that, you know, that, that saying, earn your keep. Right. You know what I mean? So it's, it's different things that come into play. So we just have to, you know, we have to try to tackle it one by one. And try to make it back. I come to a lot of a lot of guys that come to my program come, you know, not employed, but they leave employed right. or they leave with a trade or they leave with some type of certification. Do you help them with vocational we help them skills? With that. Yes, we do. I just we, got we, my OSHA 30. What's that? I, OSHA 30 when you work with the um, construction. So I'm going to use that, you know, get back out there and do some hard work. <laughs> <laughs> I was used to the other la- other lazy work like moving. So I was used to that, but I'm about to go back out there and do hard, big boy things. <laughs> <laughs> so vocational so, so training is OSHA, part of the program. Um, the OSHA certification actually is a, a safety cert yeah. that's um, required by all construction sites, uh, construction cleanups. It's a very important document that you have to have. Um, and a, a lot of construction um, companies are requiring all their workers right. to have it. So um, we had some trouble See, what we, ha- what we find, George, is when we outsource to uh, have the fathers do other stuff, and this is no knock on other agencies because I know they're doing great work as well, but sometimes the personnel is not as welcoming. Right. So we try to bring everything in-house. So that's what we did with OSHA. We, we hired an instructor. He did it right at our site. So our father, we try to make it convenient, but we don't hold a hand. So in his instance, he wants to get a security license. He, the process works so simple. You look it up. You find it. You verify it. And then we'll take it from there. So it's one-stop shopping it's for one these It's one-stop shopping, but we give the dad, we hold them accountable. You have, we're not going to hold your hand. I yeah. could easily go on Google and find it for you, but you do the legwork. Because this is going to get them conditioned to understand it's not going to be handed to, to you. you. Do the research, do the work, and then go through the process. It's going to be all right, but everything has a process. Mm-hmm. Unemployment can be a big stumbling it block be to being a, a good dad, right? Yeah. A lot of stress, yeah. a lot of frustration going yeah. on there. A lot of dads will be deterred from going to see their child just because they don't have money in their pocket. How many dads do you typically have in the program at any given time? Um, well, we do a three-month three cohorts. From You could go from with every three months at 50 to 60 dads, George. New dads. 
So, but we got alumni dads like Mr. Waldron that come in and help out as really, you know, uh, extra staff, really, because they know the curriculum so well and they've been through so many experiences that they can, you know, share with the father. His last two children were birthed while he was in our program. So they they know us like uncles. So that's what we preach, community, always. Nothing that we don't do, we don't include anybody. We include mom, the kids, grandma want to come. We teach, we preach community. We have to because we, we, we're trying to recondition. We're trying to get away from the old or that generational gap where dad was missing. Mm-hmm. Trying to bring it back. Being dad is cool. That's actually one of our slogans. Right. Father up. Father up. Father right. up. <laughs> Daron, what would you say was the most mind-blowing thing that you learned by going through this? Wow, I didn't even think of that. Everybody was so open. You know what I mean? Everybody felt comfortable there. That's that's the whole thing about it for me. Because like I said, I was going to say, yeah, I'll be here next week and not go back. But everybody, they, the way they welcomed me there, I felt comfortable. The one day I sat in the class, it was kind of cool. I was like, oh, I got to come back. Then I started coming back more and then more. We learned a lot there, you know what I mean? Because we always used to try to talk over each other. And then we, they learned to um, give a one mic. So one person speak, and then we sit back and read listen and then we could go follow up so it was just open for me that's why i end up liking that was like mind-blowing for me like everybody coming here telling their problems and then i was like mine's ain't that bad but you can't say what's going on in there so i felt like i should help this person out i feel like i i, I know a little bit of what he's going through so let me help him out you know what i mean it's not just going in here just talking you're going there learning a lot of stuff like i used to have a bad anger problem i calmed it down with something you know what i mean yeah a lot you know what I mean? So I still have my little frustrations, but then I think about the stuff we talked about. So it make me calm down even more. Counting to 10 more? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Count 10 more, yeah. That's good like, news. Men sometimes are afraid to express their emotions, yes. afraid to talk about personal things. Machismo is yes. certainly a thing. How do you get past that? Uh, we We have a session on that. Mm-hmm. about machismo, about the alpha male, what being a man is. So sometimes guys come in with the uh, the idea that I'm this, you know, bigger-than-life character, but when we start dissecting what really a man's responsibilities and the type of caliber he should be under, they really have a lot to work on. Yeah. So that's I love that session. What's being a man? What's a man? What is being a man? Right. What, you know, I let them tell me. What do you consider what a man is? You tell me. I don't want to get it wrong. Right. In your own words, you let me know. And so I ask regular questions. How do you see yourself? And I mean, and sometimes it, it, could, it could choke somebody up because mm-hmm. they really never thought about that question. Right. How do you see yourself? Mm-hmm. And it can be an entirely redefining right. of potentially who they are, how they view what yeah, a man should be. Exactly. Life changing. Life changing. I got guys that, you know, really street guys. They you know, really out the way now because they, they say, I come here to stay out of the way. Right. I didn't think I was going to live past 18. I'm 36 now. Mm. So it's like this is a good place for me. You know what I mean? Because it's not, it's not like I used to hurt anybody or do negative things like that. You know what I mean? It's just my little habits I used to have. I used to smoke weed a lot. So therefore, I don't smoke weed no more because I know that was a problem with my children. So now... That was a problem for my children, so I eliminate that out of my life. So anything I got to do with my children, because I don't want to lose my kids, I eliminate that out of my life. And I mean, friends, friends doing negativity around me, I eliminate them out of my life because y'all can't be around me. You're guilty by association. 
So that's how I see life now. I just keep my close friends around me that we all think positive, that we all think about winning the positive way. You know what I mean? Because people don't understand the street is over. There's nothing on the streets left. You know what I mean? It's, no, it's not even respect on the streets. At least the older people told us how to respect. You know what I mean? So, therefore, there's really nothing out there for nobody. Like he mentioned, um, a lot of gentlemen come in with those, thing, those things on their backpack, uh, substance use and mental illness. Right. So, with a culmination of those things, I mean, you have to tackle it simultaneously, else they'll never be, they'll never get better. Mm -hmm. So, what I like about our program, even though we're not licensed, when a father does come to you and is vulnerable, Let's take that time to really get down into the nitty-gritty to see if we could tackle some of those deep-rooted issues. Mm -hmm. right. I mean, I'm not going to give you the life-saving advice, but let's make a plan together to try to get you the proper help. But at least now we've identified it versus it just staying bottled in for another 20 years. Right. And then you project that same thing onto your kids. You know what I mean? I, I, I got a guy who didn't want to take his son fishing. He loves His son loves fishing. But he had a, a near drowning accident because of an irresponsible adult. He never dealt with that. But talking about it in group, now it's him and his son go fishing because he's not afraid to be around the water anymore. Sometimes just take a simple conversation just to get it out right. and have somebody take you serious and not laugh at you. That's where the vulnerability comes in, the fear of being laughed at or the fear of being embarrassed. Once we could get them to escape those things, they 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 letting it out. I mean, literally, they let it out, and it's important, George. It's important right. because we nobody's perfect. So you know, even the staff may have experienced some things that can help a father mm -hmm. in, in some form of fashion. I think sometimes there's this misconception that you should instinctually know what it takes to be a good dad or a good parent. Right. But no, if you're not taught that, if you don't experience that as a child. That can get lost on yeah. you, right? Children don't come with instructions. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But in in in, a, in another sense, if he he's co-parenting with his wife, they may have been brought up with different parenting styles. Yeah. His parents may have not spanked him. Her parents might have not had yelled. Obviously, that would offend each other if that's happening. Right. And if you project that to the children, obviously the other parent would be offended by that because it right. never happened coming up. So we have to we try to put all of these things into the nucleus. And have the fathers really have a, a good, you know, self-inventory about what you can do to bring and add value right. to your relationship as a father, as a partner, and in your community. Right. Because if you're not doing anything in your community, then you're being selfish. You're taking all the information from fatherhood and you're not projecting it on nobody else. You're not, you're not saying, they help me, let me help. This is why I love this guy. Yeah. Because he... He's willing to... He's referred at least, what, six, seven fathers to us? Yeah, like, that have all graduated. So it's not he's just referring people. He's referring quality dads that really want to make a change in their life, to be in their children's life. So it's important, George. We're doing great work over there. I'm really proud yeah. of the program, but more so I'm proud of the dads because they're hanging in there. Yeah, it's it's tough to make a commitment to that, to come every week, you know, and, and really sit there and really take the information in. Anybody can come and be on the phone or step out every five minutes like, baby, I'll be there, meet me at, you know, Uno, Pizzerino. They're not doing that. They're really being respectful, and they're respecting what we're trying to do. All right, let me ask each of you to leave us with one final piece of advice. Reginald? Make sure that your children are the most pertinent thing in your life because even at the end, they'll give back you the love when it's time for you to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. Duran? Well, if you're a father, 
well, yes, a father or a person that's taking care of your stepkids or anything, that you're still a father. Everybody, I feel like y'all should step up. Not saying y'all not, just step up more. It's hard to how I really want to say it because it's, it's like, let that child be a great man. Still teach that child respect, a great man or a great woman. I mean, to still teach that child respect, to hold the door, how to get up when it's time to. You know what I mean? Just respect everybody, not just their elders. Just have respect for everybody. Because that's where the you know, stuff get misconstrued. Because they be like, respect your elders. They don't be like, respect everybody. You know what I mean? Because they feel like you're not older than them, they're not going to respect you. You have to respect everybody. If you want respect, you got to give respect. You know what I mean? And then break that cycle. If somebody hits you, hit them back. No, somebody hit you, tell your teacher. That's what you do. You know what I mean? Because you're protecting yourself. That's what you're doing. You know what I mean? That's what I want to say. Gentlemen, Father's Day is upon us in yes. June, so I want to take this moment to wish you both a very happy Thank Father's you. Day. Thank you. What was the term again? Father up? What was the term? Father, Father, up. Father up. Father, Father up. Father up. Reginald, thanks so much for coming Thank in. Thank you, George. Appreciate you. Duran, Thank you, George. You. No problem. Have a nice one. Reginald Mitchell heads the Fatherhood Initiative at Rising Ground in the Bronx. Duran Waldron is a father of four and a graduate of the program. For more information about Rising Ground's Fatherhood Initiative, visit risingground.org. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Boldarki. My thanks to producer Maddie Bristow. And thank you so much for listening. <laughs>